This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Thanks for being with us this morning. We decided since it is Christmas Eve, we are going to play Christmas music throughout the program. But we're going to talk uh, for the next half hour about a couple of different programs. One, my next guest is here to uh, talk about a pilot program. And Jordan Westfall is the president of the Canadian Association of People Who Use Drugs and joins us on the line. Jordan, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, explain for us, uh, if you can, a bit about this pilot project. You wrote uh, a special piece that was in the Globe and Mail. Uh, what is the pilot project that you wrote about? Uh, this project is basically a response to the overdose epidemic in British Columbia. Um, it basically seeks to provide people who use opioid drugs, people at overdose risk, uh, with safe opi- uh, with safer opioid drugs, um, so it basically undercuts the the street supply of uh, illicit drugs like bootleg fentanyl, which are very dangerous, uh, with safer uh, prescription opioids like uh, hydromorphone or brand name it's called Dilaudid. Because we have been hearing about that uh, as one part of this crisis is that people who rely on opioid drugs, people who uh, have been taking a certain dose now are suddenly uh, finding a cutback and finding a reluctance of doctors to prescribe and are now suffering in pain. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this is, um, you know, this has been an ongoing trend for several years with government uh, that that, uh, one of the solutions uh, to not just the overdose epidemic, but uh, just the use of opioids in general is to restrict access. Now, um, for people who are already using opioid drugs, that could potentially mean uh, being relegated to an illegal market where the drugs are unpredictable and very, very dangerous. And you write about that in your own personal experience with that in this piece. Yeah, I do. I do. I um, Basically, I was a daily opioid user for several years. Uh, I was also in university at the time, and I knew noticed uh, as soon as you know, a commonly prescribed opioid drug, Oxycontin, uh, was removed from the market uh, and supplies of it dried up, uh, that more and more heroin was coming into my community. And that obviously is a lot more dangerous. It's a lot more unpredictable. Um, and there is potential for it to be cut with fentanyl. And I witnessed this happening in about 2012. And to me at the time, I thought there's no way that this is a better option for people. And, you know, over the last few years, we've seen this all ramp up. Uh, Pills are being restricted. And at the same time, you know, bootleg fentanyl, street drugs are becoming more and more dangerous. And and what was it that that what's what was the situation you were in that you needed to use opioids every day? Um, At the time, it was not I wouldn't say there was just simply one thing. Um, I think it was there was like a mixture of, you know, um, personal stresses, and then at the same time there was community-wide stresses. The the community I'm from, Windsor, Ontario, uh, was going through a severe recession, and I noticed there was almost like a point in time when uh, it was like everybody started to use opioid drugs a lot more commonly, and they started to be sold much more commonly. And I, I noticed that this happened during a, a recession or an economic downturn. And a lot of the folks who were prescribed opioid drugs, uh, they were selling theirs because of uh, because of lack of employment, lack of uh, um, any sort of uh, you know job creation program. 
Uh, instead, people started selling their meds. Not everybody, of course, but I think that added to the supply on the streets on one point. And at another point, just in my life, I, you know, was dealing with some trauma and I was dealing with, you know, personal issues. And at the time, um, this worked for me. It was a temporary solution, but it is what worked for me. And, um, you know, I think when we criminalize people, uh, we, we, we relegate them, we push them away. And that's one of the reasons why this has gotten so bad, this overdose epidemic. Would you agree, though, that there's a difference between somebody who is in long-term pain, be it a back injury or be it some kind of chronic pain that uses opioids, whether it's fentanyl or or whatever type prescription they use, a difference between that and a difference between somebody who uh, is is going through a stressful time and uses them as as a crutch but doesn't actually need them for pain relief? Well, I don't know if it, I don't know if it works uh, to differentiate it because at the end of the day, pain is pain. Um, when if it's if someone uses opioid drugs to deal with mental or emotional stressors, uh, I mean we have to accept that as valid as well. Because uh, if we don't, if we you know kind of reject these people, they end up just they end up just being in the shadows, right? Right. Uh, they end up being, you know, they end up with that stigma, that sense of discrimination, and, you know, they don't disclose their pro- problems, and they basically hide from us. But is the goal, and I, and I get this pilot project, and, I, and I've talked to people who have had difficulties, who have been using prescription drugs, and suddenly they have them cut back for whatever reason, whether the doctor is afraid of being reprimanded or the doctor, for whatever reason, does that. And they're very, it is, a, it's very they're not in a good state when that happens. But is the goal, even in a pilot project like this, where the access is there, is the goal still at the end of the day to stop using the drugs? I think in the context of a public health emergency, the goal at the end of the day is to keep people alive. Uh, Right now, this situation has gotten increasingly dire. And in other epidemics, uh, like the H1N1, uh, government distributed safe drugs to anybody who needed them. And I think at this point, we need to do the same thing, and that's what this uh, project is starting to do. Um, and for uh, time is of the essence right now, and I think that bottom line is we have to keep people alive. And um, that's where, that's you know, that's our goal, and that's where we're going to start. And, you know, we can build on things from there, but at the, at the end of the day, we can't build on anything if a person's dead. Very, very true. But it, but is the idea also, and I understand that, yes, keep people alive, but is it to keep people alive with the thinking, we're going to keep you alive and it's okay to continue using opioids the rest of your life, or we're going to keep you alive and try and get you to a point where you can stop using these drugs? I, I think I think we need to we need to be open to both. Uh, some people do use uh, opioid drugs or other drugs for the rest of their life. Some people do need that. Uh, other people want to be free of that, and we need to support their. We need to support both choices. Well, and, and on one one example, people do need opioid drugs every day for chronic pain. Uh, they also might need methadone for opioid maintenance to avoid them taking other drugs. But for some other folks who who want to be free of, who want to be uh, not using drugs, we need to support that and build you know pathways to you know treatment and supports like that as well. Uh, was there one particular thing for you, or how did you get from a point, and you write about this in the piece, of, and, and as you mentioned, of using drugs every day, uh, going to street heroin when uh, OxyContin was reformulated? How did you get to the point of doing that, to the point where you are today? 
Um, I, I I think this um, this kind of reformulation and this experience had kind of a strong effect on me, and uh, it gave me kind of a clear idea of what I wanted to do in life, and it want it you know gave me the ability to to see clearly that uh, I wanted to focus on. Uh, increasing the human rights of people who use drugs, um, increasing access to policies that are safe for people. And I use that as kind of like my guiding light throughout the last four or five years. So I came out to Vancouver and went to school and got a master's in public policy and, you know, focused on overdose prevention as a topic. And I've been pretty much doing it ever, ever since. But I think I had a really clear goal and, you know, I was motivated. In part, I was also very fortunate to still be in university and able to go and get go to grad school and move away from from where I was from which which is great what do you think what would be the one thing then or or maybe it can't be boiled down to one thing but we are in the midst of this crisis like you said the goal is to keep people alive uh, if we're just keeping people alive and bringing them back to life after they continue to overdose that doesn't seem like a very healthy cycle what what do we do now to break that cycle well, one of the things is that making sure people don't have or aren't accessing a contaminated drug supply, which is what happens, and they end up overdosing all the time, and they end up overdosing very frequently. Now, if you look at uh, programs like at Crosstown Clinic in Vancouver, uh, people have access to prescription heroin and prescription hydromorphone. It is so rare that people actually overdose. Um, what w- Overdoses come from the fact that a lot of times people... Um, they might abstain for a few days and go back to using their tolerance is down and the fact that the drugs are so the potency of the drugs out there are so unpredictable I, I you know so there is there are very many examples of people you know have safe uh, prescription access and overdose isn't the same worry that it is um, for people using on the streets all right we'll have to leave it there we're out of time but thank you so much uh, Jordan Westfall uh, appreciate you coming on the program this morning thank you Thanks very much. All right. That is uh, Jordan Westfall. He is the president of the Canadian Association of People Who Use Drugs. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season 6 of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.